0: All right, well, uh, Rick Warren, the uh, pastor of Saddleback Church in California, and the author of the book, The Purpose-Driven Life, tells the story of a father who was trying to take a nap, and his little boy kept bugging him, uh, complaining that he was bored. How many of you moms or dads have ever had that kind of experience? So so you know what was going on here. And so the father decided to uh, try to buy himself a little time to finish his nap, so he made up a game. He he found a picture of a world map in the newspaper, and he ripped that picture up into about 50 different pieces, and he proclaimed to the little boy that this was a puzzle, and the little boy was to put the puzzle back together. He laid down to finish his nap, thinking that he was going to keep the boy occupied for a while, but after just a few minutes, the little boy ran in, interrupted his nap again, and proudly proclaimed, "'Daddy, I finished the puzzle. It's all back together.'" The father was kind of amazed by this because he knew that the little boy was not familiar enough with the world map to be able to, to put it back together so quickly. And so he asked the little guy, how did you do that so quickly? And the little boy said, well, there was a picture of a person on the back side of the map. And so I just put the person back together. And when I got my person back together, the world looked just fine. Kind of a cute story, isn't it? And it has kind of a good point to it. The world is a broken place. It is full of broken people. But as people get put back together, the world becomes a better looking place for them and for all of us. And here's the truth. All of us have brokenness in our lives. None of us are as we were intended to be, as God intended us to be in the beginning, Sins that we've committed and sins that have been committed against us have left us broken. This week and next, we're going to focus our attention on some ways that we can get healed from our brokenness, some ways that we can get put back together. We're going to focus on how we can overcome hurts in our lives, bad habits in our lives, hang-ups that are causing pain in our lives. And so something that's very important for us to establish right at the beginning of this two-week journey is that the church is a place for broken people. You don't have to have it all together to be part of God's family, to be part of the church. You, you, You don't have to have it all together to be a part of this local extension of God's church. The church is for broken, messed up people. And Jesus made this clear to us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. In the verses that lead up to verse 12, Jesus was eating with tax collectors and a various assortment of undesirables. Sinful people. People that a devout first century Israelite knew to be broken. And so the Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples why it was that Jesus ate with such undesirable people. And Jesus overheard them asking this question. He decided to directly answer them. He said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus made it clear that his arms are always open to the sick, to the broken, to those who don't have it all together. In fact, he went beyond just saying that his arms are open to them. He said they are the very reason that he came. The whole reason that he left the splendor of heaven and his eternal glory and came to earth is for the sick, for the broken. And so if that describes you, and and really it describes all of us in this room just to varying degrees, if that describes you, you need to know that Jesus welcomes you. And you need to know that any church worthy of putting the name Christian on its sign, welcomes you as well. You need to know that this church welcomes you. The sick are welcomed here. The broken are welcomed here. Another important thing to establish is that not only are you welcomed by God and his church, but God doesn't want you to stay broken. He wants to enable and empower your healing. God wants to put you back together. The world looks better. Life looks better when we allow God to put us back together. Any church that's worthy of placing Christian on their sign wants to cooperate with God in his enabling and his empowering of your healing. God accepts us as we are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. For our good and for his glory, God wants to heal us. He wants to repair us. He wants us to recover from the damage that sin has done in our lives. God says in Isaiah fifty-seven eighteen and 19, and he says this of those who are sinful, but who are contrite. He says, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating words of praise The Lord says, Peace, peace to the one who is far or near, and I will heal him. If you've been hurt in life, God says, I want to heal you. If you are confused by life, God says, I want to lead you. If you've ever felt helpless to change or you feel helpless to change right now, God says, I want to help you change. If you feel as though no one understands your problem, God says, I want to comfort you. If you are worried, anxious, or afraid, God says, I want to offer peace to you. Everyone needs healing. Everyone needs to be fixed, to be put back together. Everyone needs recovery from the effects of the sins that we've committed and that have been committed against us. So whatever hurts, bad habits, or hang-ups are in your life because of sin, God wants to enable and empower your healing, your recovery. The brokenness that comes into our lives because of sin uh, can can, uh, go into, reach into any and all areas of our lives. It goes into our emotional lives, our financial lives, our relational lives, our spiritual lives, our sexual lives. However sin has broken you, God wants to put you back together. And one of the greatest tools that I know of that is being used by God all over the world to bring healing to people's lives, to put people back together, to help people recover from their hurts, bad habits, and hangups is the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. This ministry came out of Saddleback Church in Southern California, pastored by Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose-Driven Life, which other than the Bible is the best-selling book in human history history. Wouldn't that be awesome to have written the best-selling book in human history? Do you, you, you can't like start out saying, I'm going to write the best-selling book in human history. You just got to write a really great book. And, and Rick Warren did this. And, and um, in keeping with the Bible's encouragement to give honor to whom honor is due, I want to say here today that I view Rick Warren, and I imagine almost all of you know who he is, I view Rick Warren as a gift to the body of Christ as a commendable servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I can tell you this from experience, and Rick Warren could tell you this from a whole different level of experience, but anyone who leads is subject to criticism, to second-guessing, to having every word parsed and every action scrutinized. And so Pastor Warren has uh, received his share of criticism over the years. But from this ministry of Celebrate Recovery coming out of his church, to the positive impact of the purpose-driven life, to the many ways that he has invested in churches around the world, to the commendable ways that I see him represent Christ anytime he is uh, interviewed in the media, Rick Warren, in my view, deserves to be considered a hero within Christianity. So not that he will ever know, but I want to publicly say how appreciative I am of the impact he has made on the body of Christ and for the cause of Christ in the world. And I want to also acknowledge that uh, much, perhaps perhaps most of what I say uh, this week and next is either influenced by or directly borrowed from uh, Rick Warren. So what I want to do uh, this week and next is introduce some of the key principles of Celebrate Recovery, and spotlight this uh, ministry, which is an international ministry that we are privileged to offer here at VCC for the benefit of this church and for the benefit of the larger community around us. The Pataskala, Reynoldsburg, Pickerington, Kirkersville community, and other surrounding metropolises. Outville, Luray, Newark, Thornville, Saltillo, nobody knows where that is, that's for the Perry County Church to serve, Saltillo. So I want to introduce you to Celebrate Recovery and the the principles, the key principles of the ministry by using the acronym RECOVERY and, and highlighting the principle that each letter in the word RECOVERY stands for. And so today we're going to deal only with the R, since I've already said a lot. And then next week we'll cover the other letters and the principles that they point to. So what we've learned to this point, God welcomes the broken. The church is for broken people. But God doesn't want to leave us broken. He wants to enable and empower our healing, our recovery. And Celebrate Recovery is a great and effective tool being used by God to bring healing to the people that Jesus came for. So here's the first principle of celebrate recovery. The first step on the road to recovery, on the road to healing, the R in recovery stands for realize, the word realize. And if you're following along on your outline, which I see almost none of you are, uh, the, the, there's a blank spot there and you can write in there, realize. We wanted to make this an interactive experience today. So you get to write a single word on your outline Uh, realize. And here's the principle that the R points to. Each of us must realize I'm not God. And we must admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do wrong things, and that my life as it currently is, is unmanageable. And here are a few ways for you to get clued in to whether you might need help. You might need healing, you might need recovery, you might need help outside of yourself. Do you stay up late at night when you know you should be sleeping, but there's just some restlessness in your spirit that won't allow you to sleep? Do you overeat, take in more food than what your uh, body uh, needs? So I think probably all of us need to go to celebrate recovery just for that one. Do you feel you ought to exercise, but you never do? Do you know that something is right to do, but you don't do it? Do you know that something is wrong, but you keep doing it? When you know you should be unselfish, do you instead see yourself uh, find yourself acting in selfish ways? Do you try to control people in situations that aren't yours to control? Do you know you should stop drinking, but you can't? Do you know you should stop smoking, but you can't? If you answered yes to any of these or any number of other questions we could ask today. First of all, welcome to the human race. Welcome. We all either now or at some point have answered yes to one or multiples of these questions. Second, you may very well be in need of recovery, of healing. And here's the thing that places us all in the position of needing help of needing put back together, of needing recovery. Sin. Sin does this to us. The cause of your problems, the cause of my problems, is our sin nature. The cause of every problem we have is sin. We do things that are not good for us to do and we break. We break. You know, it's like violating the instruction manual on some tool or device that you have, uh, you know, purchased. You use it for some purpose it's not intended to, and it, and it breaks. That's what happens to us. We aren't intended to sin. And so when we sin, it causes us to break. We respond wrong when we're hurt, and our hurt just increases. We're sinned against by someone and so we then turn to sin in an attempt to self-medicate, which only makes things worse. Proverbs 14 says, there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. And so many of us, either now or at some point in our lives, have have seen some way that, that, that we thought was right, some way that we thought was going to lead to some good outcome for us, was going, to, was going to kind of fix the hurt in our life, and so we pursued that thing, but it only led to a place of death. We're always going to have this sin nature in us, this desire to do the wrong thing. We're going to have it until we get to heaven. And even after we become Christians, the desire to do wrong... Remains quite strong in us. I hear people occasionally say that shouldn't be true. And I guess on some level that's the case. But but, but it is true. And the Apostle Paul, pretty strong Christian was he, said that this was true in his own life. Paul understood this very well. Here's what he wrote wrote in Romans 7.15. He said, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what's right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, but what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't help myself. It's sin inside me that's stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Does that sound familiar? Anybody recognize that that kind of thing in yourself? I end up doing what I don't want to do and end up not doing what I do want to do. The first step to recovery is you must understand the cause of this problem. Why does this happen in my life? We need to understand the cause of it. We need to understand the consequences that come from it, and then we need to know the cure. So what's the cause of my problem? The cause of all of your problems and all of my problems is this. I want, you want, we want Be God. We want to decide what's right and what's wrong. We say, if we don't actually verbalize it, we think it. I don't want anybody telling me what to do, what's right and wrong. I want to decide these things for myself. I want to call my own shots. I want to make my own rules. I want to put myself at the center of the universe. I want to be my own boss. I want to live life the way I see fit. If something looks and feels good to me, I want to do that thing. I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my life. It is my life, after all. All of those attitudes reveal that we want to be God, that we're playing God, and that is, by definition, sin. What it says is, I want control. The more insecure you are, the more control you're, uh, the, the more you 're driven to control things. The more insecure you are, the more you want to control yourself, control other people, and control your environment we 're driven to do this, and that 's called playing God and this is man 's oldest problem. Adam and Eve faced this problem in the beginning. God put them in paradise and they tried to control. Paradise. God said, you can do anything you want to do in this entire paradise that I've placed you in except for one thing. Don't eat from that tree right there. And they said, okay. And walked right to the tree. Made a beeline to the one thing that God said not to do. Satan said to them, Eat this fruit, whatever it was, an apple or whatever, and become like God. Essentially, become God for yourself. Throw off his rule. Make yourself the ruler. And that's been the problem from the very start. I want to be God. You want to be God. I want to call the shots. You want to call the shots. We want to run our own lives, we want control. How do we play God? We play God by denying the limits of our humanity and trying to control everything for selfish reasons. We want to be at the center of the universe. We want to be in control. We want to control others. We want to control everything around us. We try to control our image. Try to control what others think about us. We put on masks to hide who we really are and make ourselves appear as something other than what is true. We try to control other people. We use guilt and fear and praise and rage and the silent treatment to try to control others. We convince ourselves that we can control our own problems, that we're can that, that, that we in charge of our own problems. We say things like, I've got this. I can handle it. I can, I can quit drinking any time that I choose to. I won't Have that kind of angry outburst ever again. And then, of course, we have one. We play God by trying to convince ourselves or convincing ourselves that we can control our pain, medicate our pain, drink to escape our pain, have illicit sex to not think about our pain for a little while, go shopping to dull the pain for a little bit. We develop compulsive habits in an effort to try to control things, or we become critical or harsh or depressed. Pain comes when we realize we're not God, can't control everything, and it scares us. It scares us. Not in control. The first step to recovery is to realize this. To admit that you're not God. That you're not going to get well on your own. Face it. Don't deny it. Because friends... Playing God brings some really hard consequences into our lives. Because we try to be God, we take on a role that we have no right to, a role that we aren't up to. Horrible consequences come into our lives, and I want to share four of those consequences today. The first one is fear. Fear. We want to control everything, but we see that nothing really is in our control and that realization frightens us fear is a consequence of playing god frustration it is frustrating to try to be the general manager of the universe when you aren't it's kind of like you know going into target and announcing yourself the manager and expecting people to then start doing what you say, which, I never, never mind. <laughs> it's trying to be the general manager of something you're not the general manager of. It's kind of like the arcade game, Whack-A-Mole. You know, a problem pops up, you hit it down, and you think you're good. But then another problem pops up. You hit that down, you think you're good. But no matter how hard you try, there are always more problems than you can adequately control. And so you get frustrated. That's a frustrating game to play. (laughs) Anybody ever played it? That is frustrating. And, and, And that's what it's like to try to play God. We try to bend people and circumstances to our will, but they won't bend. They won't bend. And so we get frustrated. So, if you're experiencing a lot of frustration, it is a uh, deep, uh, it's a symptom of a deep issue you haven't dealt with, a root issue. You're not God. You're trying to control things and you can't, it just doesn't work. A third consequence of playing God is fatigue. Playing God is tiring. Trying to control things, trying to look like you've got it together, denying the obvious about yourself, it is all very tiring. David said in the 32nd Psalm, this is such a great verse, my strength evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. If you're always fatigued, always worn out, you need to ask yourself, what am I running from? What problem do I not want to face that is causing me to, to, to give in to this constant striving and, and is leading me to this constant state of fatigue. And a fourth consequence of playing God is failure. When we try to play God, we are guaranteed to fail because it's a job description that none of us are qualified for. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounce them finds mercy. We have to be honest about who we are. We have to be uh, open and honest about our weaknesses, our faults, our failures, if we want to avoid these consequences of fear, frustration, fatigue, and failure. So sin is our problem. Those things are the consequences of it. But thank God there is a cure for sin and its consequences. And the first step on the road to recovery, the road to healing, the road to having your broken life mended is to realize, acknowledge, admit that you are not God and that you are powerless to fix your problems. The Bible says that it is uh, when we admit weakness that we are able to find strength. And this is not a popular idea in our self-sufficient American culture, which Uh, says, raise yourself up by your own bootstraps. Don't depend on anybody else. Do the lone ranger thing. But this is the essential first step to getting healed of your brokenness. Admit that you are powerless to get healed, to get fixed on your own. Admit that you need other people and admit that you need God. Admitting we're not God means we recognize three important facts of life. And maturity comes when we recognize these three facts. First of all, that we are powerless to change our past. It hurt. We still remember it. But all of the resentment in the world is not going to change it. We have to admit we're powerless to change our past. We have to admit that we're powerless to control other people. We try, we manipulate them, we use all kinds of gimmicks, but it doesn't work. We we have to understand that we are, you are responsible only for our own actions. We cannot control the actions of others. We have to admit that we can't control other people. And third, we have to admit that we're powerless to cope with our harmful habits, behaviors and actions. Good intentions simply aren't enough. How many times have you tried and failed? Willpower isn't enough. You need something more than willpower. You need a source of power that is beyond yourself. You need God. Because God made us to need him. God wants to enable and empower your healing. He wants to put your life back together. But for him to do that, we have to come to the end of ourselves. We have to admit our powerlessness. We have to admit that we're not God even though we've been trying to play God. And then we need to turn to the one who actually is God for help. You've got to admit you need power beyond yourself that you need God. This is the first step on the road to healing. The first step to having your life put back together. The first step on the road to Recovery. And a good many of us in this room, I don't say this because I have any specific knowledge, just because I I know in a room this size, this is true of a lot of people. Many of us need to take this step. But there is a very large obstacle that stands in the way of anyone who wants to take this step. It's an obstacle that you're going to have to get over if you want to take this step. And the obstacle is pride. Pride. James 4, 6 says this. God opposes. Some translations say resist. God opposes. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Pride prevents us from acknowledging our need of God's help. And when we will not acknowledge that, it shuts us off. From his help. It barricades us off from his help. I don't think, you can can correct me if you know differently after the service, but I don't think there's any place else in Scripture where it is said that God opposes someone or that God resists someone. But God opposes, God resists, God stands in opposition to the proud. It reminds him of the great rebellion in the beginning. Of Satan who was lifted up in pride. And so God stands against it. He resists it. He opposes it. And it cuts you off. Cuts you off from the help that you need. But if you'll humble yourself, if we'll humble ourselves, admit that we're not God and that we need God, then God gives us his grace. And included in that is the power to change. Grace is the power God gives to, uh, to me to make the changes in my life that I want to make and that He wants me to make. Grace includes the power to change. And for you to recover from hurts, hang-ups and bad habits in your life, you need God's grace. So how do you get it? There's only one way. He gives it to the humble. He gives it to those who admit that they need it and turn to him. And so let me ask you, what needs changing in your life? What hurt, hang up, or bad habit have you been trying to ignore? For many of you, this admitting that you're powerless is going to be a very difficult step for you to take. But if you want healing, if you want your life repaired and restored, you have to admit, I have a problem, I have a need, I have a hurt. It's hard for us to do. It's saying, I'm not God. It's admitting I don't have my life together nearly as much as I would like everybody to think I do. It's hard to do. But it's the step that must be taken. If you want your life put back together, if you want to be healed, you have to admit you're not God. You have to admit you have a problem. And you have to admit that you need God. This week and next, as we highlight the Celebrate Recovery ministry, which, by the way, meets here every Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., I want to encourage you in a couple of ways. If the things I've talked about today or the things that we talk about next week resonate with you, and you do come to a place of admitting that you need help, I want to encourage you to take advantage of this excellent ministry. Take advantage of And get involved in the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. Come to one of the meetings. Check it out. Give it a chance to begin to help you uh, in your life. You can talk to Phil and Sylvia Roush, who are the leaders of our Celebrate Recovery ministry. You can talk to other uh, team members. In fact. Uh, Phil and Sylvia, why don't you guys stand? And I don't know if there are any other team members in this service, but if you're in the service and you're a, a Celebrate Recovery team member, why don't you go ahead and stand? Is there anybody else here? Okay, they were, most of them were at the first service. But Phil and Sylvia, and, and you can talk to them, you can talk to another team member. In the case of Phil and Sylvia, they have 30 to 35 years of walking this out in their own lives. 35 years, I believe it is. Is it 30 or 35 31. 31 years of walking in freedom this is a good resource. They are good resources for, for this church and for this community. And every one of the team members are trained and ready to help you on your road to healing. And then there's something that you can do right now, today, in this, in this moment. You can humble yourself here this morning... You can admit that you have a problem and here in just a couple of minutes when I give you the opportunity to do so, you can slip out of your seat and you can come up here to the front where we're gonna have people who are trained to pray up here and you can come and you can admit the things that were talked about today apply to my life and I want you to join together with me in taking my need to God. You You can do that in this moment. I'd encourage you to do both things. I'd encourage you to respond today. And I'd encourage you to go to celebrate recovery. There's one thing that will stop you from doing either of those things, and that is pride. Please, 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 do not let pride stand in your way. Don't let pride cause God to have to oppose you but instead humble yourself and allow God to give you his grace. Healing is available. Admit you're not God. Admit you have a problem and turn to the one who is God.